It's always been in the back of my mind of, can I do this? I've got to prove it to myself. Am I strong enough to do this? And what was neat about Oceanside was this was this is my third half Ironman, and it was one of the first times where I just kind of surrendered to the race and let it unfold to me. I didn't have anything to prove to myself. I had overcome the the challenge of proving myself that I could get to the finish line, that I could get to the finish line fast, that I was strong enough, that I deserved to be here, that I could deserve myself, call myself a half Ironman or a triathlete, and. That's really what made this this race special to me. You know, this is like going back a, a few years now where I think people responded to the pandemic in different ways, right, in terms of their health and well-being. Right? Some people went on an off-ramp that took them in a really bad direction. And, and for me, I, I was fortunate that it inspired something different in me to take time that I was spending commuting and invest in my health and my health had gotten to a point where I was no longer able to do the things that I love with ease. You know, scuba diving was becoming a challenge for me, et cetera. And so that was an inspiration. This was, you know, long before Yogi Triathlete, but it was an inspiration for me to begin investing in myself and realizing that, you know, self-care and self-love was really something that was core and fundamental to me being able to show up for my family in the best way I can. Just to be present. I feel like once I've started just focusing on just being present and just focus on that moment, I think that's what got me through the bike. That's what got me through the swim. Um, you know, just, and that helps me so much as a parent as well. And it, and I now see it translate not only into my kids because they're teenagers dealing with normal teenager anxiety, but even with my students. And I literally, when I have students breaking down, I'll just pull them aside and just focus on just relax, just focus on this moment right now. You're okay. It's really hard to describe the feeling, just being a part of that, and like the camaraderie and like, you know, most of the yogis that came together like met for the first time and like they just like it's almost like instant family and to be out course and like to have this kind of course where like bobby said it's a loop run course so you get to see everybody and you really like you know um, get to feed into that energy there were some other spectators when we were at the finish line i don't remember who was coming in but we were like all cheering for them to come in and then there was a couple that was walking by and I kind of overheard them say, wow, we need to check and see what this yogi triathlete is all about. <laughs> they look like a lot of fun. <laughs> Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I am Jess and I'm here with two co-hosts today. I've got Coach Daniel here and I've got BJ head coach here at Yogi Triathlete, and we've got three Yogi Triathlete athletes. We are all coming in hot off the course of Oceanside 70.3 that took place on Saturday. A couple of us, namely uh, BJ and Bobby, who's here with us today, also did the double down with the Carlsbad 5000 on Sunday. I would assume that all of us are still a little punchy and tired as we're continuing to recover from this really epic course. Um, 
interesting swim, honest bike, and just one of the most stunning run courses and challenging run courses that uh, that I've ever completed. So super psyched to have these guys here. The first thing that we get anytime we cross a finish line is can't wait for the smackdown. So here we are. We're going to smack it down. We've got Liz and James and Bobby with us today. And I want to start off with these three guys just introducing themselves. So just who are you? And the question I really want to know about is how did you get to Yogi Triathlete? And James, we're going to start with you. Well, thanks, Jess. So yeah, hey, everybody who's listening, I'm James Brangetto. And my journey to Yogi Triathlete had a very personal connection. And it actually came through my wife, who uh, actually told me I should try doing a triathlon and mentioned that she had a family friend who happens to be Daniel, uh, you know, who was not only a triathlete, but also a coach and vegan. And uh, at first I thought that was absolutely nuts, you know, and thought, wow, who is this person? Like, what is he doing? Uh, but I gave a triathlon a shot in May of last year. And then immediately decided I wanted a coach and reached out to Daniel and the rest is history. Well, we love having you, James. And you came to camp in January and it was just such a joy to spend all that time with you. We had Matt for the first time up in Santa Cruz and I know that super pumped you up for Oceanside. And uh, we're going to get into your race day, but boy, was it such a joy. I got to see you out there um, on the bike course and the run course, and it was just super fun to share the course with you. Uh, Bobby, how did you get here, and who are you? Hi, my name is Bobby Chung. Um, how did I get here? Well, I have a little heart problem. So I didn't ever think I could find a coach to take me on. And, um, I had been doing triathlons for years, short distance, sprint, Olympic, and they told me, well, you're not really supposed to ever kind of do an Ironman or a half Ironman. And I said, well, I kind of want to. So I reached out to Jess and BJ, and I guess they debated behind the scenes and, and hooked me up with Daniel. And after reading Daniel's story about his, his journey and his pathway to find triathlon, especially with his mother, it seemed like the perfect match. And for the last three years, we've been just attaining goals and, and reaching things that I thought were unattainable. So that was kind of my journey. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I've never put that together before this match between you and Daniel and the story of his mom, which Daniel has so bravely told on this podcast. Um, and then, you know, this opportunity and condition that you've had with your heart and being told, no, you can't do something and that being paired up. And, you know, we did, BJ and I did talk behind the scenes and we just kept, we just felt so compelled to direct you to Daniel. And, uh, you know, we don't know why all the time, but I think we just got our why. But I do remember the first time you ordered a hat and I was like, oh, who's this guy, Bobby Chung? He seems like, a, I don't know. I, I, I just like, could pick up your vibe from your order and I was like I like this guy and then and then uh and then there you were you came onto the team so gosh we love having you here and Liz how did you find us uh, um my name is Liz Prokoski and I first heard Jess on another podcast um for ultra runners as I was an ultra runner at the time advertising her vegan cookbook I wasn't completely vegan at the time I was still doing dairy but bought the cookbook, started following them both on Instagram, 
started doing the yoga classes. Uh, and then the elephant really stood out to me because I'm a big elephant lover. So that on the logo totally stood out. And then just, yeah, getting to know them um, through the yoga classes. And then finally, we finally met for the first time at an ultra race or not an ultra race. It was like a trail race, but a 10K. And then, yeah, I just reached out to BJ and oh, I think it was like seeing all their posts going swimming and biking. I was like, well, that looks fun. Why not give that a try? I know nothing about either one, <laughs> but why not try it? And so then I reached out to BJ and said, hey, is this doable? Can I do this? And, you know, BJ's answer, of course you can. And so, yeah, signed up. I love it. Having well, a blast. And there is another piece in there because we connected after I was on Jeff's podcast. And then the next thing I know, you're like, oh, I got the cookbook. And then you're like, I'm literally going to, like, I'm about to pull the trigger on Costa Rica. Should I come? And I was like, yes. So Liz ended up coming to Costa Rica with us That's last right. year as well. But you were already training with BJ at the time, weren't you? But yeah, but I signed up for Costa Rica before I had met you or before I had started training. Yeah. That's I was I like, whoa, that. she is just, she's all in. I love this girl already. And she's done three triathlons and they're all 70.3. So she has no other experience except going the distance, <laughs> half the distance. Um, and I love, I love that, um, you all found a connection through one of us or through our story or through the podcast or cookbooks. And this is getting our message out there and, and mission out there and whatever level that you feel compelled to participate in. I love that you guys take that action step because that's where, that's where we truly grow and that's where we're going to make change in our lives. So with that said, let's talk about uh, Oceanside, which is why we're here and one of the, the biggest parts of a race, an early season race like this that involves ocean swimming is the opportunity to indulge in fear and doubt and the lack of training in the open water and the unknown. So we all practice breathing and we all practice calming ourselves and just let us in an amazing, amazing breath calming practice moments before we did the tri-club open water swim clinic on Friday for each of you, because I'm sure you had it on your plans. Did you use the breathing practice on race morning and how did it go? I'll take this one first. So I'm sitting there in the corral and I was all by myself and I, I was nervous. I wanted a friend around me and, um, I thought, okay, okay, bring it back in, bring in the breath. So I closed my eyes and just kind of started calming myself and focusing on my breath and running through the exercises. And it was cool because these two ladies next to me kind of started talking to me and started telling me about how they were nervous and why wasn't I shivering. And I thought, well, I'm just trying to be part of, of this and trying to calm my nerves and the the energy I must have put out there brought them to me. And then we had a beautiful little moment there where we all started talking, calming each other down and not getting caught up in the fear chatter that surrounded us. So we were actually kind of excited about everything. So it was neat to me how the breathing exercise actually kind of was somewhat contagious in my area around me. I can jump in next. Uh, yeah, I had a really bizarre combination of doing the breathing exercises and running in place and shivering all at the same time with the, and I had a group of people with me and then a guy had done a pre-swim on the beach 
and he was also sh- he was shivering like crazy because uh, he had been in the water for a while. And so I did share a little bit with them about what I was doing, you know, but I was also trying to get my heart rate up and warm up. But I did, you know, the, the four, seven, eight, like exercise. Um, I did some box breathing as well, you know, where I'm holding, you know, uh, inhaling for four, holding for four, exhaling for four, and then holding for four. So I did a combination just of what you taught us plus that and, you know, and trying to move my body in different ways. And I really wish I would have had my stretch cords with me to hang over the fence, you know? Um, but yeah, I'll stop there. Yeah, I was towards uh, the back of the corral, so in the 40 to 43 minute, and we happened to be right next to the porta potties, which was a fabulous spot to be in. Um, and yes, and we were in shade, so it was really cold. And yes, so then I had decided um, to just, oh, and in the corral was the first time I learned that we were going counterclockwise. I wasn't aware of that. So we were doing left-hand turns. So I started to feel the nerves kind of rising from that. So I decided to turn away from the porta potties and face the beach. And just, yeah, I just stood there and closed my eyes. Um, but just that feeling of facing the beach also brought some calmness to me and did all four. Um, and in the past races, I got so stressed about the order of doing the four and like, am I doing it right? And this time I just let that go and just went with which one, the order that felt right in that moment. And yeah, I was very calm and, and ready. And I was like, well, I'll just follow the masses. I'll know where to go. <laughs> you, PJ, you brought up a good point about the the swim is probably the biggest obstacle for most people, not just our athletes, but because even if you lived in Southern California, we've had some crazy weather, nonstop rain. So I don't think I had a single athlete that was able to get in the water um prior to the race and i know liz has been in the water with us bobby's been in the ocean um you know and and james came to camp and that was the whole purpose of camp was to get people in the water and of course we had a crazy storm during camp too and we kind of get in the water um and not to put james on the spot but i know james he's a diver very comfortable in the water but under the water, I know we had a lot of conversations early on about like the fear of being up on top of the water, right? So, I mean, how did you get over that kind of fear, James, to be able to just like charge through? And you had an amazing swim. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I, It's one of those things where as soon as I'm in the element of the water, there's an there's a part of me that surrenders to the the reality that I'm not in control, you know, of what could be in the water, what could happen to me. And I just trust that I'm going to be okay. You know, I've been okay, like this entire time, my life, you know, I've been diving since I was 11. Um, and you, you know, you might see sea lions and, you know, you might see other uh, aquatic life and, and, and stuff of that nature. But yeah, I just kind of surrender and, and let go of it. You know, even if I'm feeling some trepidation up front and and trust that it's going to be OK. And, and one thing that I have done at every race I picked up from Jess was to. Like acknowledge that and ask for the safe passage, like in the ocean, you know, and show respect for like the fact that we're entering a realm that's really not our own, you know, and, and moving amongst these other animals, you know, and there were a lot of sea lions around us in the water, um, which I 
you know, I don't know if any of you saw some, but I definitely felt like I saw some blowing bubbles underneath us and swimming around um, because the bubbles were coming from way below where the swimmers were. Um, and it felt good to know, like, we were in their company and, and we're safe and doing our thing. Thank you, James. That's, I never really thought about that. Like being a diver, you just think like, oh, you're going to be fine. But you're, it's kind of like putting a swimmer into a deep dive. It's a totally different environment. But I want to stay with this. Thank you, Daniel, for bringing up this topic of overcoming things. Um, Bobby, is there anything that you've had to, you know, overcome? I mean, you mentioned the, you know, your heart condition, and maybe that's something you want to share about, but overcoming this, um, that's a real threat to get yourself to the starting line. Yeah, I mean... So I have what's called regurgitations and it's, it's pretty severe, but I'm lucky that it's, it's late phase. And so, um, let me think years ago, I was told maybe I'd have to give it a valve replacement and everything and I'm monitored yearly and everything's all good. And as I built my strength up with, with, um, with Daniel here, it's always been in the back of my mind of, can I do this? I've got to prove it to myself. Um, I'm, I, am I strong enough to do this? And what was neat about Oceanside was this was, this is my third half Ironman. And it was one of the first times where I just couldn't surrender to the race and let it unfold to me. I didn't have anything to prove to myself. I had overcome the, the challenge of proving myself that I could get to the finish line, that I could get to the finish line fast, that I was strong enough, that I deserved to be here, that I could deserve myself, call myself a half Ironman or a triathlete. And that's really what made this, this race special to me. I, and then beyond that, getting to the water when it was 46 degrees out and jumping into 56 degree water, getting over that was a monster. And I remember I'm sitting there in the rack and I've got James and we have another teammate, Ryan. And all three of us were fairly calm. And it was amazing because that energy fed my energy and my energy probably fed their energy. And it felt like, okay, we're going to go do this. There was no hesitation. There was no guessing. We were going to get in that water, which was amazing that we were just able to overcome that as a team. And uh, Liz, yeah, it's so contagious, right? And so, but also we're always reflecting each other, right? Like there's that that calmness that we really subscribe to here at Yogi Triathlete. Um, and then as we talk about it, as we practice it through our breath work, through meditation, whatever that looks like for any of us, I'm sure all our meditations look different, five minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's the consistency, just like our physical training, it's like that calmness sticks with us. And even in times where, yeah, it's 46 degrees and we're getting in 56 degree water and we're in this tiny, tight little harbor. And uh, yeah, I mean, to have that connection to calm is is so amazing. And so pulling on that thread, Liz has done three triathlons and uh, she has done Santa Cruz Ocean. She's done La Quinta, like ridiculously cold and now oceanside which was cold ocean yeah ocean cold and so congested in the harbor um did you need to like 
I guess sticking with this topic of like overcoming it, it, don't feel pressured to have it be about the swim. I just wanted to point that out. Like you are amazing that these are the three half Ironmans you've done, the three triathlons that you've done have had, you know, really challenging swims. But other than that, or maybe it is the swim, has there been anything that you've needed to overcome to, you know, specifically Oceanside to get to the starting line? Um, anything that really challenged you in your training to get here? kind of touching on what Bobby was saying, this, the confidence on, can I even finish it? But I don't even have a health issue <laughs> as a reason to why I wouldn't finish it. Um, just as I just, the run's the only thing I felt confident in. Um, so yeah, that was a, for all of them, it was a big challenge. And then even, even though I did it in Santa Cruz and did it in La Quinta, that's still that thought of, can I do it? Knowing that this one was had a time cut off and had a probably a more challenging bike than what I've had in the past. Um, yeah, it was definitely, definitely something I had to overcome the swim. Actually, this time was the first time I think I was more, I was actually just, I was ready to go. In fact, I even kind of, I normally like hang back in the little section of the corral and like one of the last ones in, I was inching my way up. <laughs> and I like, as soon as, cause we were in that little porta potty area for like 30 minutes where we couldn't even see the boat ramp, nothing. We weren't, we hadn't moved. We literally stood in one spot for like 30 minutes. And then when we finally moved, it went fast. And once they let us near the boat ramp, um, yeah, it kind of snuck around the side and yeah, I got in, in the water way earlier than I did with the other two. Do you think that's, do you think that's, a uh, because you've had to swim more because you can haven't been able to run or do you feel like because you are more your three events in now you know how these things run you're gaining more confidence in knowing more how these how these swims start and how they unfold i think a little of both i think because of all the swimming and the training i've done now i now know okay i can get in the water and just focus on what you've taught me focus on being present focus on the form i think the time trial helped a lot having that under my belt, belt definitely did a lot of more confidence. I'm like, if I can do that. And then yes, definitely doing the other two for sure. I still think Santa Cruz is my favorite. I, I was actually kind of upset that we didn't get the beach start. I was looking, I actually felt like that is something that kind of benefits me versus other people that don't have that experience of getting into the waves. I was, I was kind of looking forward. I'm like, Oh, this will give me a leg up on some people. <laughs> And this is why we're all coming back next year, 2024, for the beach start. Um, let's pull on that. Uh, let's move to the bike. You know, this this bike, and we'll, we'll stick with you, Liz. Um, quite a challenging bike. And all you had to really go off of, all we had to really go off of when we first do this course is a course map or what people say about it. We don't really have the ability to ride on this course ever. So how did the bike go down for you? Yeah. I, I actually thought about that when I was on the bike was, oh, I didn't get to like drive it, which I did in the other two races. Um, but I didn't even look at a map. I was like, I was about 20 miles in. I'm like, I never even looked at this course. I have no clue what I'm getting myself into. I knew about the hill. Right. And that was it. And then once we got through that one and I saw the second one, I'm like, wait, I thought there was only one. <laughs> and then I did the second one. And I finally asked somebody, I'm like, how many of these hills do we have? And they're like, oh, four. I'm like, oh, I was not prepared for that. <laughs> um, but I felt, I actually felt good. I felt strong with other, the other two, I was, I might like, get me off this bike. I'm done. Um, I struggled, I think the most in La Quinta, 
But this one, I actually felt like I didn't even want it to end. I wanted to keep going. I felt, and yeah. And then everyone around me was walking those hills. Yeah. I was like, that looks more painful walking in bike shoes <laughs> up the hill. <laughs> no, I, I felt good. And it was a gore. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. It's breathtaking with all the rain we've had. That's evidence that a flat course is not always the easiest. As he was saying, La Quinta was harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's also, as we pull upon the bike, and then we want to hear from you, uh, James and Bobby, as well about your bike experience. I want to talk about nutrition because that's going to really set you up for the run. What kind of what were you taking in? What what did you take in for nutrition on the bike? What I did, I same as all three races did. Uh, so the goal is at the end of every hour is um, a whole bottle by the end of that hour of Roctane and half a right stuff, except when it's hotter, like La Quinta, I did a whole right stuff in each bottle and a gel um, and did that at the end of hour one, end of hour two, end of hour three. So I actually carry um, an extra little sandwich bag of Roctane and a right stuff packet in my pocket and stop at an aid station to make that third bottle. And every time I tell myself, I should really just put something on my bike so I can carry a third bottle. <laughs> so that's the next goal before the next race. Because <laughs> I'm, I see it on other bikes, they do it. So yeah, I need to do that. Um, yeah. So that's about, that's about, so if you're getting a bottle and yeah, you're looking at like 350, right? Like 350 calories. And actually, yeah, in the third bottle, I put a whole ride stuff in that one. Yeah. Yeah. I do about the same thing. I get a bottle in and a gel that seems to work really well for me. Cool. Um, all right, Bobby, take it. How did your, tell us about the bike experience. What'd you think of the course, anything that comes up, just share, share, share. Oh, you get me on the bike and it's time to boogie. That's my happy place. So, um, the bike course is always fun out there. It's got the ups. It's got the downs. It's going to make you stay honest. Um, there was a stream crossing, uh, it did terrify a couple people I noticed around me, but I turned into a little kid and splashed through it and got my shoes all wet. Um, but yeah, I just I just put my head down and stayed arrow and got to work on the bike. I did. I had a Gatorade up front, Gatorade in back, and then for the first hour I did two gels. Then I followed that with a Cliff Bar and then two gels. And I was off the bike. I also grabbed one bottle of Gatorade at an aid station, just kind of uh, pounded that. Well, tried to pound it. I broke the cap on it, apparently, when we got it. And then I squeezed it in my mouth and went all over the bike. So my bike's disgusting right now. But I got most of it in my mouth. And uh, so, yeah, um, I was really pleased with my bike nutrition. It set me up really well. Uh, last year in Santa Cruz, my bike nutrition suffered, and it definitely felt on the run. But this one felt pretty close to dial. I will say, though, on the bike, it did feel like we had headwinds the whole way around. Headwind out, headwind back. Um, and then it did get a little tougher on the way back in. The flat arrow section with the winds picking up did kind of challenge you a little bit because you had to stay nice and tucked while pushing power but other than that i i just had so much fun it's so beautiful down back there um hell hill isn't as scary as it, it they make it out to be from my perspective there's a lot of chatter coming up to it and then at the top of it you hear a lot of people saying oh that wasn't so bad 
but I think that's part of the mystique of it. You don't know what it is, and you're expecting this big monster, and you built it up, and then when you get over it, it's it's pretty cool. So, yeah, I just you put me on the bike. It's my happy place. <laughs> James, how about you? Yeah, so the bike ride for me, uh, you know, as uh, Daniel alluded to earlier, swimming is kind of my thing in the sport of triathlon. And, you know, definitely opportunity areas there, but bike and run, a lot more opportunities for growth for me. And still had a super great time on the bike ride, you know, was very careful to like manage where my heart rate was at throughout the ride after working and talking with Daniel about that so that, you know, I could like do the run at the end. I was very careful about managing my effort. Didn't care what that meant for my speed or my time. You know, I was just like focused on how much effort I was putting out. And in terms of the nutrition, yeah, I had four bottles of Roctane, you know, on my bike and, you know, a thing of right stuff in each one. And I would drink one of those per hour, which works out to be about a big step every 10 minutes. So I, while I'm riding on my bike, I'm like, Time is passing as I'm like drinking bottles of Roctane is how it feels. And it makes it um, not that I wanted it to go by fast, but it kind of made it feel like it progressed rather quickly. And my ride was almost four hours, but it didn't feel like I was out there for very long. Absolutely love the scenery, you know, um, and there was something that kind of struck me, though, was to see all of the young kids, you know, that are new recruits going into the Marines. And all of them that volunteered that day uh, made me really think about, you know, their service and stuff, you know, and uh, my gratitude for them. Uh, that kind of struck me as I was riding and just how young some of them looked. I was like, wow, there's some kids out here, you know. Um, but overall, yeah, felt felt good on the bike coming in. I lost a water bottle, though. So if I was to say like a learning, like having empty water bottles on your bike and hitting bumps and stuff. One of them went flying. So my apologies to Camp Pendleton for my littering. Uh, <laughs> I just, I came back with three bottles and I had no idea where the fourth one went. Um, but yeah, felt great, you know, when I got back for the run. So the fueling worked. Did anybody else see the challenged athletes on course? I, I went up Hell Hill with a someone in a hand cycle. And I mean, you want to talk about inspiration. They are working to get up that hill. But I'll tell you what, on the other side, they blew my doors off. Those things can scoot. Yeah, I saw them as well. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, it was before uh, Hell Hill that I saw an athlete like that. And that's what I kept telling myself going up it. I was like, if he can do this. I have no excuses. So yeah. And, and just, you know, seeing people that are that older than me or, you know, whatever, like I just kept telling myself, like, if, if all, if everyone out here can do this, I could, I have nothing to complain about. Like I can get up this hill. And like you said, Bobby earlier, once I got to the top, I was like, that wasn't so bad. It was easier than I thought. <laughs> it was. I will echo to what James was going to say. It was a, there's some rough sections and there was a yard sale every once in a while. You'd see tubes and tire, uh, tire levers and bottles and, but it's what made it fun. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, reflect quickly on the Hills. I, I thought the first Hill, I think Jess, you had passed me at this point. I thought the first Hill was really the steepest one um, that we encountered. There was a big Hill. And, uh, and someone told me, no, that's not it. And I thought, wow, what's next? But every hill after that was easier. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that, you know, just shift into a low gear and like do the work, you know, and, and the payoff of coming down those hills was, it was so gorgeous out there. I just thought, wow, we're so lucky to be riding back here at this time of year with all of this rain, with all of the wildflowers, you know, the, the sights and the sounds and the smells, you know, it was just a fantastic experience. You know, this is why you got to be really careful about who you ask uh, about what their perspective is. Um, James, that's a great point of, you know, how, you know, how many hills are left, how hard are they? It's, it's really good to just dive into it with a curiosity and to have your own experience because what their feedback could be or what lens they're looking through could throw you off your game completely. Um, and it can work the other way too, but so it's best to have your own experience. So yeah, your perspective is that first hill wasn't as, as bad. That's, that's, that's great. Like have that experience and, and, and feel it. Um, so you guys dialed in your, your nutrition. This is, this is the best. I, I mean, this is everything nutrition on the bike spot on. Now we move to the most important piece where you're going to get to the run where typically most people fade because they have hammered themselves on this bike course because they want to be done. They want to get through the wind. They want to, uh, most, most of them probably don't run that well. So they're just banking that they can dump all their effort into the bike and just hang on to see what happens on the run. So yeah, let's start with you, James on the run. Uh, after fueling well, how did that, uh, how did that charge go? So, uh, yeah, you know, usually we're aiming for progression runs, right? I think I had more like a regression run, <laughs> if I could say <laughs> where I, and I kind of knew in the back of my mind, I felt really great coming off the bike and was running at a pace that was a little faster than I should have been, you know, and I noticed that and I tried to dial it back, but I felt really good, uh, you know, through about mile nine and throughout this, my, my feeling on the run is I, I had a bottle of rock tank with the right stuff in it with me on the run. And this is something Daniel and I talked about. I alternated between drinking that and drinking stuff at the aid stations. And when I went to the aid stations, um, in retrospect, this wasn't the greatest idea, but I grabbed the Gatorade, drank that, grabbed the Red Bull, drank that, grabbed the Coke, drank that. And just this horrible taste in my mouth of these three things reminded me of playing at the soda fountain as a child, (laughs) but it also eventually kind of made my stomach a little upset. And so then I kind of went back to, you know, maybe just drinking like the Coke and and Gatorade, which went okay together, but not perfect. But so I did that, had sips of Roctane, also had gels with me. Um, And that got me through about like mile nine. I, I felt pretty good. And at mile nine, I, I began to feel, you know, fatigue building and, uh, you know, some discomfort in my right ankle. And so I, my strategy then at that point is I didn't get too fixated on it. I focused, you know, on my breath, kind of defocused on time, my pace, and just thought, do what you need to do to keep moving forward, you know, and, and make it to the end. And, and that served me well, the, the timing was a little bizarre. I, when I came down the chute and saw all of you and we did high fives, like everything was feeling great, running, 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 got to the red carpet and my legs literally began to seize up. And it's funny, you can't really see it in the video I've, I've shared, you know, on Instagram, but my, 
I literally felt like my legs were just going to kind of give out on me and they didn't, but it was right at the right time for that to happen. It was like right at the end. Um, so in some sense, I feel like I timed it just well, but I really wish I would have done it in the reverse order of started slower pace and been able to build it up. So looking forward to next time, you know, in, in Santa Cruz to try that again. So. Mm-hmm. And we saw you going up the hill and you're like, live in the dream. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've been having some sensation in the hamstring since uh, middle of January. So I haven't been running much and running is usually what is my strongest part is the part I love. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely uh, wasn't my strongest run. I think just because I haven't been training, um, but felt overall felt great. Um, felt like the nutrition was right on. As far as my pace, it was consistent all throughout. I'm, I run on feel, but then every once in a while I'll just kind of glance just to make sure I'm, my feels matching where I'm at. And, but there were times that I, there was some pain. So I had some pain in my knee at one point, the hamstring was kind of giving me some sensation and then some blisters. So did had to do a little extra stopping and stretching and walking at times. So definitely slowed down the overall pace. But um, yeah, for nutrition at aid stations, I, so I carry the goo flask and put gels in that, but then add a little bit of water to make it more liquidy. So I carry that with me. Um, So I sip on that. Usually just take like a little sip from that every three miles. Um, And then every aid station, I get water and Coke. And that's all I do. And that seems to work for me. I did have a lot of swelling in my fingers more than, than usual this time. So this time I did grab I actually stopped at one point, had an extra right stuff with me and poured that into one of the water cups and drank that. And then I took, not the whole thing, like, yeah, like <laughs> half of it. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, the whole thing will be way too concentrated. I just did like half of it and then threw the other half away. Um, and then had some pretzels and some potato chips, I think at one to try to just get some extra salt in. Cause I know that's why the fingers were doing that, but how did your approach go mentally going into this, knowing that you hadn't run as much and you've been biking and, and swimming, but the run has been, it's your go-to, it's your jam and mm-hmm. you, you weren't able to do that. So was there any fear or doubt? Um, more of being uh, disappointed. So that's what I had to do the work. I, I had to go in knowing this is not going to be a PR day. This is not going to be the run that you might want it to be. Um, I know the course, it's what I run all the time. And, you know, so I know, and if I hadn't had, if I had been able to do the training and hadn't had the sensation, the hamstring, I know it would have been a much stronger run. So yeah, I just did a lot of that work of going in, just knowing, just got to be okay with what happens. Um, and then when the pain kept came up during the run, I just kept telling myself pain is temporary, pain is temporary. I knew, and from my ultra running, I know, like I, I knew I could power through it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I knew, I knew it wasn't going to stop me. I knew it was going to hit that finish line. I just knew it wasn't going to be in the time <laughs> that I'm capable of or that I wanted it to be. Yeah. So detachment. Yeah. Do the work for the sake of the work. I think we're constantly challenged with that. And, and I'm sure at first we all have some sort of resistance to it because we want that time and we believe that we can hit that time, but there's that welcoming and allowing this process to unfold. And, and you probably learned a lot about yourself through this process leading into this race, even though you don't have your favorite tool to use and, and unleash. So I think that's a, that's another notch in your 
in your mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Bobby. So the run, uh, the run. So I've always had issues with the run. My run form has always been difficult. So in this off season, um, Daniel, and I really focused on strength work and form work and, um, really kind of get me to drive with my glutes and my hips more. Uh, I was very much a quad runner before and blowing up your quads on the bike and then blowing up your quads on the run is kind of a recipe for disaster. So the week before this race, um, I do a, a 10K every year with some of my buddies and I PR'd that one. My run form felt great. I was much more vertical, um, a lot more as, as I've heard on the podcast, Lawrence, as your chest is up, you're more bouncy kind of and a lot more efficient. But I hadn't had a 13, uh, a half marathon in my legs since Santa Cruz. So it was, it was a little bit of uncharted territory. I left transition like we all do way too hot, but I just kind of rode it for a little bit, but then throttled back realizing, realizing once again, I wanted this race to kind of be something different. I wanted to take it in. It's such an amazing course. I wanted to look it around and experience the, the, um, all the people lining the streets, the people shooting you with the, with the water, with, with the music and, and, most importantly, just seeing my fellow yogi triathletes running the course, that multi-loop course is so good. So I pulled back a little bit. I mean, I remember seeing James and I remember seeing Liz and everybody on course and just, and, and high-fiving and, and just hooting and hollering. I was smiles the whole way. It wasn't a PR, but the legs felt great. Daniel said I was more vertical the whole time and I was smiling the whole way, which is rare for me to do on a run. So I'm really looking forward to building this run and seeing what we can unleash at Santa Cruz now that this is out of the way and I've had my joyful one. Mm, Yeah, I think you told me after this was the fun one in Santa Cruz, it's all about full send. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Santa Cruz is a little bit more my style, but I do love this course. Yeah. Bobby, what'd you take in for nutrition on the run? Oh, nutrition. Okay. I will admit we got to get that dialed in a little bit better. Um, It's usually just water, uh, Gatorade or Coke, depending on what my stomach's doing. I think I did a Coke at the second or third aid station, and that made my stomach bubble a little bit. So I had to back off that and kind of calm it down with some water on the next ones. Um, I'd like to figure out how to get a couple more calories in. So Daniel and I will be working on that one. Hey, Daniel, uh, Bobby just touched upon a little bit of like this power of community, which all of us out there were really feeling, but you were spectating and what was your observation and your own experience with this power of, you know, the Yogi triathlete community, but also, you know, our, our sisters and brothers of VPA as well, which these two communities have really come together so nicely. There's so many pieces, common ground is essentially the words I'm looking for. But what's your observation of this power of this community um, from your standpoint of spectating? I mean, it's really hard to describe the feeling, like just just being a part of that and like, the camaraderie and like, you know, most of the yogis that came together, like met for the first time. And like, they just like, it's almost like instant family. 
and to be out course and like to have this kind of course where like Bobby said, it's a loop run course. So you get to see everybody and you really like, you know, um, get to feed into that energy. Um, I think one of the, there were some other spectators when we were at the finish line. Um, I don't remember who was coming in, but we were like all cheering for them to come in. And then there was a couple that was walking by and I kind of overheard them say, wow, we need to check and see what this yogi triathlete is all about. (laughs) They look like a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that encompasses it. I mean, that's just, it was fun. It was so much fun to be out there and like just witness everybody, you know, go through the ups and downs that every race presents and, and see how they, they work through it. And yeah, to be a part of their journeys, it's just, it just, just warms my heart. I mean, I don't know how to describe it really. Yeah. You just have to experience it. Take a chance. If, if you're thinking about being a part of this community, just take a chance, you know, as the co-owner of this business to know so many of the people on the team and, um, and to see how they just so effortlessly welcome in new members, like their family, like they're just like, like they've been old friends is, is so, um, my gosh, just so confirming of, of everything BJ and I dreamed of when this company didn't even exist and we're, and we're living it and it's so beautiful. But something I want to touch upon that is a common piece between James, Bobby and Liz is that these guys are all parents and they're all working and they have obligations and they're getting their training done and they're showing up to the races. So Daniel, I think I'm going to start with you and and I just want this to be an open conversation, you guys. Let's just keep this part of the podcast just open and um as far as a coach, you know, working with these two guys to adjust their plans or or make their training successful in the midst of also keeping their family life successful, which is very important as well. Um as a coach, how do you, how have you seen these two really rise to the occasion? I mean, I think that's part of that is just, it's part of the yogi triathlete way where it's like, we do our training plans day by day based on the individual athletes. So, you know, we're not throwing out an entire week or an entire month of their training at a time. So, and communication is so important in, you know, the communication back and forth you know, if somebody has a soccer game, I can't get in this because of the soccer game, or I can't get this in because they have this, we adjust on the fly. And that's part of, you know, my job as a coach is to be available to them to be able to like make those decisions on the fly. And I know there's um, varying degrees of like how they've handled it themselves. And I know James really went through this kind of like struggle when he was initially starting, like how do I justify me spending time training when I like have my family, you know? Um, and maybe you can answer that a little bit, James of like, um, you know, how did you get over that initial, like, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. I think you were kind of like beating yourself up a little bit. Like, you know, I shouldn't be doing this because, you know, I have the family that I need to focus on and I have the kids and they have things and I need to be there for them. And, you know, we had a lot of discussions about that, about, you know, 
setting, being the example and like what you can do, you know, and you've like taken it a step further and like you've gotten them involved. And I think some of that's just you being an example and now they want to be involved. So you get them involved in your training all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I, I think it, you know, this is like going back a, a few years now where I think people responded to the pandemic in different ways, right. In terms of their health and well being, right. Some people went on an off ramp that took them in a really bad direction. And, and for me, I, I was fortunate that it inspired something different in me to take time that I was spending commuting and invest in my health. And my health had gotten to a point where I was no longer able to do the things that I love with ease. You know, scuba diving was becoming a challenge for me, et cetera. And so that was an inspiration. This was, you know, long before Yogi Triathlete, but it was an inspiration for me to begin investing in myself and realizing that, you know, self-care and self-love was really something that was core and fundamental to me being able to show up for my family in the best way I can, you know? Um, and so even though triathlon, though, is like a whole new level of commitment, you know, in terms of time, especially when I signed up for Oceanside and told Daniel, I want to start training two hours a day. You know, we like had conversations about that and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know? Um, I mean, not every day was two hours, but most days would be. And then, you know, long rides on Saturdays, right? Just like everyone else. Um, and I just kept telling myself that, like, I'm worth it. I'm, like, worth the investment to put the time in, despite all of the chatter and all the other messages out in the world. And, you know, sometimes even people very close to you, you know, who who do love you and care about you, may say, like, are you sure that you need to do that? Like, you know, is it really worth it? Like, what if you took it a little bit easier? Like, what if you did this or that? You know, um, there's there's a lot of those competing messages going on. And for me, I always just stayed focused on that this was worth it, you know. Um, and the balancing with family, though, is not easy at all. That, that's still a struggle today. But my strategy it has become pretty simplistic where I'm like, well, if I can, if I can get up early enough, I can do a lot of this stuff before anyone in my household is awake. And it doesn't happen every day, but a lot of the times I will do that. Or I do it after, you know, the kids go to bed, I'll, I'll get in my training, you know. Um, and that's something that <clears throat> I, I uh, you know, I work on constantly where I try to, that concept of creating green lights for yourself. Um, you know, I try to set things up the day before or a couple of days before. So I'll stop there. I don't know, Bobby, you get the kids like I'll get in training peaks that, you know, you went out for a ride with the kids and it's like. It wasn't on the plan, but it's like understood between us that that's like. What is necessary to make sure that you can continue moving forward. Yeah, it's it's cool being an example to them. And, you know, there are times where I'll come back from a rut. I'm just smashed. and I want to take a nap. And I think that's the hardest thing personally is as a parent, you don't get time off. You don't get to take that nap and recover. You've got to be on point and be a parent. Um, 
I'll say too that the peak weeks and the week leading into the race are always the hardest on on my wife and my kids because they know this is the time daddy's got to kind of buckle down and focus. Um, and so the week after isn't just recovery for my body; it's also recovery kind of for them too, and making sure that they're recovering from helping me achieve that race. And it's a selfish thing, but at the same time. Being part of Yogi Triathlete um, has made me a better father. So when when um, after my first race, my wife asked, "Are, are you going to continue with Daniel?" And I went, "Yeah." And she's like, "Well, it, you know how to train." And I said, "Well, it's not just about training the body at Yogi Triathlete. The, you focus kind of more on training the mind too. That's the other kind of discipline and, and and dealing with the uncertainty, how you respond to the uncertainty and um, being present and all those things I need to work on and they make me a better parent. And so I can definitely not only see the change in my athletic ability, but also my parenting skills, but it's not easy balancing everything. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I think I kind of the same as what both James and Bobby said. Um, I have teenagers, so a lot of people think, oh, that's easier. But when the teenagers can't drive, it's just as difficult. So um, on double workout days, yeah, I would do one in the morning before before work, so like 5 a.m., and then would take everything with me to work for whatever was next. So take the swim stuff with me so that I could go literally straight to the pool so that I could get the swim time done and then to get back to the school to pick my son up to take him to work or take him to practice or whatever um sometimes there's i'm still in my suit and a towel and i I didn't even have time to change clothes i'm like or i didn't get the whole hour swim in but you get in what you can um now that he's driving it's a lot easier so i'm not as rushed but yeah, it's definitely a challenge, but there's definitely ways to overcome it. Um, but like Bobby said, I think this community is such a huge part of it because before when I was training for ultras, before I went into the triathlon world, you would do these training plans you'd find online that are planned out for, you know, the three months or whatever. And then you have to figure out how to make those adjustments where when you have this community and have these amazing coaches that can help you when, you know, when you know, there's a track meet on Thursday and you can't fit in the double workout, you know, how, what's the best way to make those adjustments or you couldn't get the full workout because in of time. And like Daniel said, it's day by day, which helps tremendous. I feel like as a parent that helps so much. And I think anytime that you're going to, and like James was saying, anytime that something you do something that's going to bring you joy, it's going to make you, I think Bobby said, it's going to make you a better parent. And you bring up a good point because it's not, it's not all or nothing. You know, it's not like, I can't get the workout in, so I'm not going to do it. It's like, you know, the communication is open. It's like, okay, I can't do the entire workout. What should I focus on? And that's what we're here for. So it's like, if you could get something in, that's going to be so much better for you. Not just physically, mentally, but it's going to keep momentum moving forward. And that's what it's all about. Consistency. Yeah, yesterday I had an hour swim. And just lost track of time by the time I cleaned the bike, cleaned the house, did all the errands, and got to the pool. I only had tw- I only had twenty minutes before they closed, so I got a twenty minute in swimming. But yeah, like you said, it's you still did the consistency. It still felt great on the body to do that recovery swim. The I, I yeah, we keep coming back to the day to day. It's huge, and, and then the detachment from oh my gosh, I missed one. I I just don't have to stress as much because I know Daniel will kind of correct and. 
I don't take advantage of that. I want to do the work, and I know the work is critical to my success. But at the same time, it takes so much stress out of me. If, oh, my son's got a soccer game on this day, and he, he now is for the championship. How are we going to fix this? I'm, I just have to communicate that to Daniel and just trust the process, and I know he'll get me to the finish line. What that's going to look like, it is what it is, but we'll get there. Yeah, and, and Liz is, I love that, Bobby, um, and James and Liz. I, it's so important to communicate um, with your coach because that is that is really how this process um, is most successful, um, both-way communication. And, and I know there were numerous times, Liz being a teacher, countless moments of being asked to or being pulled into other directions to to do some things that were not originally planned and having to decide like how do I handle this do I you know do I still come home at eight o'clock at night and hop on the trainer and get it done and sometimes you know sometimes that is required that in the moment of training like yeah you get on the bike but there's also times where we see that 10,000 foot view and we see all the work that's been done and the commitments that have been fulfilled over the past, you know, 48, 72 hours. And in this moment right now, it's, it's about how can we rest up today, let today pass so that we can be our best start starting up first thing tomorrow. And that's a, a thread I really love to pull on is like, tomorrow's a brand new day. Tomorrow's a brand new day. You've, you've packed in as much as you could into the day that you're in let's just, let's just move forward and, and get the most out of we can tomorrow. And maybe it takes another rest day, um, till we catch up, but that is, that's the flow, right? This is this, this is this cohesive, like formula that both sides are winning. Both sides are, are fulfilled. Both sides are learning and growing from each other. And, as this process unfolds and as it develops and as the, the ties and trust, the trust process um, gets super strong, watch what unfolds at the end. It may not be this race, may not be the next race, but at some point, this uh, dedication and commitment and trust uh, unfolds some amazing, amazing experiences. And, and to touch upon what Bobby said, yeah, it's, a lot of it's unknown. So it's your relationship to how this unknown is going to, um, is going to unfold. So, you know, for each, for three, for the three of you who raced, like what's one moment that you can take away that maybe you can, you can put into practice for your next, uh, parenting (laughs) event or athletic event. That's a hard one, huh, James? We're sitting here kind of thinking because there's so much. One takeaway from the race or? Yeah, from the, from the race. Um, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of from everything you guys have said, but then also from the race is just, just to be present. I feel like once I've started just focusing on just being present and just focus on that moment, I think that's what got me through the bike. That's what got me through the swim. Um, you know, just, and that helps me so much as a parent as well. And, and I now see it translate not only into my kids because they're teenagers dealing with normal teenager anxiety, um, but even with my students. And I literally, when I have students breaking down, I'll just pull them aside and just focus on just 
relax. Just focus on this moment right now. You're okay. Yeah. That's a, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. That's a great one, Liz. Cause I, I feel like I would love to transplant a lot more of what I'm, you know, learning through Yogi triathlete and triathlon into my, you know, into my parenting and some of it comes through. Um, but I find it, I find that, that triathlon is like, for me is like a place of solitude and, and quiet, you know, where I'm on my own confronting challenges. And, and in some way that seems a lot easier than when I'm dealing with my children who are struggling, you know? Um, so I, I really am hoping I can like bring more of that in, into my, into my parenting life for sure. And, uh, I also don't want to spend so much time in transition. I'll admit that <laughs> I, I think I spent like 21 minutes in transition, which I don't know what I was up to, but I must've been busy. Um, well, we were chatting so, between the swim and the bike. Remember yeah, we were chatting yeah. a little bit. Yes. <laughs> Bobby, how about we're, you? We're not you? talking about transition. <laughs> the, the transition time. That conversation is way too long. If we're going to wrap this podcast up. Sorry. Um, Bobby, what's your, what's one thing that, uh, yeah, that's, that you can take away from this, from this race? It, it's, it's, I'm finding joy in the detachment from the results this time around. Uh, before I would have been just obsessing over my place and, and, and my performance and how I could have gone faster and whittled away times and not spent 17 minutes in transition. But at the same time, um, I had such a joyful race. And and that's what I needed. And right now, I'm just relishing in that joy. Now, Santa Cruz, we're going full set. But this one, this is what we needed. So it, it's that joy and detachment. Oh, my gosh. That's beautiful. Daniel, how about you? What's the takeaway from your experience? From the race? Yeah. This conversation. Oh, or this conversation. <laughs> anything. Well, the thing that's in my mind right now is just... Liz was talking about being in the present moment and talking about, you know, how to train with the with the kids in your life and all the other responsibilities we have. And it's like, it's if you stay present and we go back to that, you know, don't quit too soon, where you that applies in life, that applies in your training, that applies in race day. It's like we, we quit too soon. And I do it even as a coach where it's like I look at what I have to do for the day and I'm like, well, there's no way I can get that workout in. And I like quit too soon and I catch myself. No, I'm going to see how the day unfolds, stay present, what I'm doing now. And then just, you know, nine out of 10 of times, I get that workout in without a problem. Right. So it's like, you know, just stay present. Don't quit too soon. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a muscle we have to flex every day. And James, you know, all of these things that you're taking away from just the languaging that we use and the mindset training that we incorporate into the physical training, it's like, it's like an ice cube tray and you fill one corner and eventually the whole tray will be full. It, it can't not happen. Um, you know, how we do one thing is how we do everything. So it's going to continue to overflow into other parts of, of your life. But I just want to take a moment to thank you all. You know, you guys traveled, you returned home, you've got 
work and family and responsibilities and recovery to tend to. And you showed up tonight for this podcast to, you know, feed the listeners with all your wisdom and your beautiful experiences. And you are all amazing. You're all superstars. And I love you all. I can't believe that we get to do this. And um, I'm so excited for our next team experience, because when we get the team together, like Bobby, you were saying like, you know, I was coming in pretty hot to this one, pretty excited, maybe because it was on home court advantage. I don't know. But, um, you know, I just think that every time I get to spend time with the team at these races, I love to race. It's that's what brings me so much joy. And then to do it with all these people that I love and we support each other. It does. I come in at a 10 and um, and I can't wait for the next one. So thank you all for being here today. So, so grateful for you. 